0: Guys and Fights Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast.
1: Hey, podcast to me now! <laughs> Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm the Hulk business, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined by my fellow member of the nation of conversation, the gold dander, Danielle Radford.
2: Hey, I like that one.
1: You know, it's so crazy, all the things that have been happening <laughs> all over the place, all over the world of wrestling, And I want to talk about the money in the bank briefcase.
2: Yes. Yes, please. Let's get into
1: that. There are like three different paths that that briefcase can take. One is you use it to take someone who is already in the mid card and build them up over a certain amount of time because you believe they have a main event run in them. Then they win the title and who knows what happens from there. The other is to take an established star, have them win it, and then use it to... Just create a title switch. Mm -hmm. The third is to give it to someone and realize that maybe the decision to put the briefcase on them or the way it appears is that it's because they are hot at the time. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily because they have main event potential. They just may not be ready yet. Those are like your Otis's, your Baron Corbin's. Your are Damien Sandow's, these people mm. who get the briefcase and have a run with it, where just the gimmick is they have the briefcase. Seth Rollins was much more, he was like the tweener of the mid-card guy mm. on the way up and the main event person who was already kind of established. Austin Theory was clearly someone that Vince had a lot of faith in and really liked and wanted to get behind. And so it made sense for him to have the briefcase. What I like about how they handled it, having him cash in and get cheated out of a win and having him make what might be a questionable decision, which is to go after the U.S. title versus trying to Mm -hmm. vulture Roman Reigns. Although that seems questionable, but I actually can even maybe it's my brain just sort of trying to create logic for it. But to me, it makes sense for him to think that he can't beat Roman Reigns. So Mm -hmm. he wants his title back that he had before. Look at my cash ins. I tried at SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar was there. Clash at the Castle, Tyson Fury was there. And if they weren't there, the bloodline certainly would have been. Roman Reigns is unstoppable. And that scenario of me cashing in, it doesn't exist. So what did I do? What did I put in my brain and decide to do? I thought, what is the best thing to do after this? And that is going after one of the greatest champions of this past decade, Seth Rollins. It has sort of inserted him into this four-person feud over the U.S. title belt with Mustafa Lee and Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. I think mean, that's a great place for him to be. I would rather see him built over time because I think I agree that there is potential there, but too much too soon spoils the broth. I really,
2: really, very much enjoyed him in NXT. Like, that was really fun when he was, you know, with Chilling with the Garganos, basically like Little Brother style. And then I thought that he came to the main roster too early. I thought that he should have had more time to cook on NXT, if we're being honest. And so then to see him not only get bumped up when I personally was like, I don't know if that's going to work, and then just have a rocket shot to his back where now he's like in the main event picture. Exactly what you said, like it felt like too much, too soon. And it's not necessarily that like he wasn't ready, but it was like he hadn't even really been established enough on the main roster yet, let alone had time to really create a fan base as a solo act in NXT. I think a lot of us were like kind of confused and baffled about him going after the US title. But when he came out the next week, It was like, okay, this is a really, really good redirect. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy what he did with his character when he did come back. And now it's like, okay, I'm invested. Like, this isn't just the selfie guy. Like, there's something going on here and I want to know what it is.
1: Yeah, I agree. Plus, it's also kind
2: of like, you got to ditch the selfies after what Logan Paul did. That's his now. I'm sorry. It's like when I'm sorry. It's like when Elvis did Hound Dog. I am very sorry.
1: Carly Perkins. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it's not it's not fair to you, yeah. but that's his song now. It's like when Whitney did I Will Always Love You. I'm sorry, Dolly. I love you. But that's her song now. Like,
1: Ooh, I don't know if I agree with that one. That's, I think it, they, it
2: is. It is. I'm sorry. It's split
1: ownership. Well, Dolly gets all the checks from it. So that'll tell you whose song it is. <laughs> well, she does
2: get the checks from it, but she donates all of her Whitney money.
1: Which is great. But I mean, she, that's this should her. should be a like, Dolly
2: podcast now. <laughs> now we going to talk about know, how. Cool you know partners. the story
1: behind that song, right? Yes that, yes, that Elvis wanted to wanted half of the publishing to record it himself.
2: Oh, I will always love you.
1: Yes, he offered Colonel Tom Parker offered, and Dolly was like, "No, I'm not giving up ownership of the song. I keep the publishing." Yeah,
2: because well, because she, it was also like a tribute for her friend.
1: Well, yes, it was her goodbye to to Porter Wagner, yeah. but also it was her song, and she's too smart of a of a business person to give <sighs> up publishing. So when Whitney comes along she retains the publishing and she i mean she'll tell you it's Whitney's song because of all the checks that she gets from it that yeah. i'm sure do go to charity as as a lot of her stuff does she's super charitable but she saved all of our lives she, she saved all of our lives people she saved everyone
2: i got look i got the Whitney, i got the dolly vax i got so the dolly I. shot
1: yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm straight to i have a lineage of dolly flowing through my veins
2: yeah yeah but yeah so sorry theory that's that's Logan Paul's now. Like
1: Yes. Sorry. What's going on with NWA? I have no idea. I I don't follow Ooh. NWA at all, admittedly. Um what, what's happening?
2: Well, Billy Corgan is an idiot. Um Great. let's just start with that. So Nick Aldis quit and was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. And then they like basically was like, uh, because he was going to go and do the rest of his time and just be like, I'm not going to finish my contract. And so they were like, well, fuck you then. And then like fired him. And he was like, and now he's coming out and being like, You know, it's a toxic environment. And this is like, this guy's been wrestling for like 12 years, something like that. Like, he's really good. He's basically like a vet at this point. And he was like, yeah, I don't like working for Billy Corgan, it's a toxic work environment. I don't like the way they treat the women, blah, 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 yada, yada. So then they had a match, because I don't remember if he was champion or not, because I don't really follow. NWA had like a second with power where it was very cool and like actually really Mm. interesting. And that moment passed a couple years ago. He quits. And they put the belt on Tyrus, as in like...
1: Control your own narrative, Tyrus.
2: Funk is on a roll, Tyrus, yes. Yes. Uh, And so they put the belt on him and everyone is like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, politics aside, he's a garbage fucking wrestler. He's not good. Like, I'm sorry, he was not like the worst when he was in like his best shape in WWE. Like, and it has nothing to do with like, His physical body, because there's plenty of big dudes that can move. Keith Lee does it every fucking week or maybe not every week, but but that's not his fault. Um, (laughs) He's just not booked. There are plenty of big dudes. Top dollar can move like there are dudes that can Mm -hmm. do it. He's just not one of those dudes.
1: Angelo Dawkins can move.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And everyone was like, great. Now I get to see the NWA title on Fox News every week. And guess what? He did. That was the first thing he did was bring it straight to fucking Fox News. N.W.A. is just a mess right now. And it's really sad because it's such a historic company. It's just a bummer when someone with a lot of money comes in and takes over something that so many people love and then just like fucks it up and puts it into the dirt. Just a real big shame what you can do with money.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's not going to happen anywhere else. No,
2: no, no, it'll be the last time it ever happens.
1: How do you feel? I'll tell you how I feel, and then i will see if you agree. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see Mia Yim back. It's nice to see her come back prominently mm-hmm. with the OC as the counterpunch to Rhea being in Judgment Day. And I like Mia in the ring.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, this is, where, this, is, this is where it's most evident to me that people from NXT here may be brought up too early. It's not unique to her. There's just a lot of people who are not great promos. And that's where it falls down. And when they're with people who are good promos, mm-hmm. it's an issue. Like the good, the great thing about Judgment Day outside of Dominic is that everybody talks. <sighs> everyone can talk. Yes. Damien Priest is a better promo that he gets, that he credit, gets credit for. for. I Finn agree. Balor is a fantastic promo, especially as a heel. Mm-hmm. And Rhea Ripley, like we all know, Rhea Ripley is like on another plane of existence yeah. for yeah. everyone. Even Dominic is a little better. Than he was, and he's buoyed by the people around him. Yes. But he needs to be a better promo, too. His dad has gotten better over time, like Mm -hmm. still getting a little bit better. Watching Raw, I was like, oh, I I wish it was better. I just wish it was better.
2: It hurts me for... Mia because she has like this like her character is that she is tough she is like a tough tough competitor and so granted I mean me I don't know if I would go for like a Basler. I don't know if I would go for like something else uh, just against Rhea because it's like Rhea's Rhea you know that's like putting up women against China it's like you gotta pick the right one for this one you know I actually don't want to see Rhea throw around Alexa Bliss. I think it would make me kind of sad. (laughs) Like, Stop hurting the puppy. I mean Mia Yim is obviously like incredibly talented, but yeah, that is one of those things where it's like, Rhea Ripley is gonna eat you up on the mic every single time. Just just gonna chew you up and spit you out. Rhea Ripley has eaten up Charlotte. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's... I mean, like, the mic skills are so important for selling me on what I'm about to see. Yes. She can certainly deliver inside the ring. That's not the issue. I mean, like, a guy like MJF, who is a good wrestler. He's not, like, the greatest wrestler on earth, but very good. Mm -hmm. His promos are so good that you want to see everything he's going to do next. Yes. He sells you on on him, his deal, and the match that he's going to have. That Mm -hmm. is a punk was very good at that regardless of what you think about him in the ring one way or, or the other and i'm i'm not commenting i'm not saying i don't think he's good or, or anything like that but one of the, the his greatest skill was the skill of promotion yes that gets you so invested when you jump in i have a little question for you guys um yeah. yes
2: julian, just to press the yes, julian and... put his hand up yeah. like he's not the fucking producer and can't just yeah. cut in any time let's just mute you guys <laughs> and i'll talk anyway
0: no um Fair enough. <laughs> Putting the rewind button on Mia Yim's career so far, I'm thinking about how, I'm wondering if she should have been in NXT longer and had a more linear path to the main roster because now that I'm thinking about it, she kind of never quite got worked into the main event scene of NXT's women's division. And I'm sorry, I
2: I think that people need to have that.
0: Yeah, and she was brought to WWE as part of Retribution. Remember that? For uh, like a week and a half. People already
2: don't know who you are up here and then you put her in a mask?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and she was. I don't think she was ever quite allowed to get the experience to become a fully formed wrestler before they fired her, and now yep. they brought her back. And maybe you know, I I guess there are worse things to be than to be in a in a faction with AJ Styles, who can teach you a lot of things. So, yes. maybe it will be okay. Sure, uh. no,
2: I one hundred percent co-signed. I think that that was what made so many of. And not just people will say like, oh, well, they were already indie guys and blah, blah, blah. I think that that is what made so many, even the homegrown NXT talents do so well when they came to the main roster was because they had that opportunity to be able to rise through the ranks of NXT. And at least even if you don't win in the main event, even if you're not NXT champion, you understand what that is and like you get to the point where you have earned being in that main event slot. Because for me, it used to be like, I don't think anybody should go up before they've had a belt at least. And now it's like, no, but at least if you're like in the mix of it, like I get it. But now they're taking people where it's like, we barely got to know you in NXT and now you're on the main roster. And like I said, and then you put a mask on her. Like that doesn't help us know who Mia Yim is at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm Team Julian on this as well. Like, there are are certainly people who come in who have worked a lot in other promotions, so they already know how to cut. Mm -hmm. Like They're already a good promo, and then they continue to learn and develop for this specific style. And then you get, like, Sami Zayn taking what he already did well and continuing to add to it. Kevin Owens, who's great continuing to to mm-hmm. grow and evolve and get better, you know, which I'm sure they would elsewhere too, but yes. this is on national television on what is still the flagship wrestling promotion in the United States. It's a big deal to be able to show up and perform on that stage. And if you can't ultimately, then it sort of eats you alive. Yes. Yep. And not everybody who's been a big star has been a great promo and not everybody who's a great promo has been a huge star but I think that Mia Yim has an opportunity to really grow in that area, and it's only going to happen through repetition. I didn't hear it and say like, "I hope she stops talking." at the opposite, like, "No, I hope no, she needs to talk more. more. To do. She needs to get on that mic keep, more. Keep working on it. Get chewed up and spit out by someone. Have a heel run. It's really a heel run that does it for everyone. That's what did it for Bailey because you get more comfortable. Mm-hmm. There's a comfort to like, oh, I can just speak." A version of my. Oh, they're truth. supposed
2: to hate me. This isn't like I'm the good guy and I have to make them like me. This is oh, they're supposed to hate me. One trick I used to use, when everyone laughs at me, but I swear to God it works. Is anytime I was get like, I would be doing a show that like was kind of a bigger show and I would be kind of nervous. Before uh, I go on stage, I'm gonna, I'm just like, this is gonna suck anyway, so just have fun. And those are always right. my best sets. Every time I did that before I would go on stage, instead of being like, you're the fucking best and you're going to kill it and blah, blah, blah. Just be like, no, it's going to fucking suck. So who cares? You have fun. And if you have fun, then they'll have fun.
1: And to be a great heel involves taking something, taking the things that maybe run through your head that are like the the wrong impulse psychologically yes the like the hurt the moments of hurt the moments of resentment taking those and building a character around it Mm -hmm. so when you're speaking it's coming from a real place whether it's being upset that people are holding up signs that say they want to cane your son to (laughs) showing up and doing everything you were supposed to and getting booed anyway because they didn't like your presentation. So you right. come back. Right. You come back as the rock. Like all of those things, when you can use something that's really happened, even Jericho's like great heel runs, there's truth in, in every single thing. MJF, there's truth yep. in the things that he says and the things that, that he feels. And that's why those people and their promos and and those characters stick with you so much. True so, story. Everybody should get a heel run except for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He should be the only person in history (laughs) who never works heel. And he doesn't have to now. He doesn't have to work at all anymore. Nope. He can just be the dragon.
2: Ice your knees, baby. Ice your knees. What else was really... I feel so bad for Brooke. Speaking of people who I think that they also probably brought up a little too soon. I feel bad for Brooke. Like, she really tried to make that 24-7 title something. And so to like... Lose it and then watch someone throw it in the trash has got to feel like shit.
1: The problem, nothing about her time in NXT that said like the the right thing for her development and success is to toss her into the main roster outside of she had a look. I believe that Vince looked at that and said, I can make something out of that mm-hmm. rather than going like she still needs to work on character. And she still needs to work. The the only thing I remember about Dana Brooke and the entirety of her run so far and, and is her in a match, the referee saying something to her and her yelling, I know the rules.
2: Well, she had a great run in NXT with Asuka. I think that when they brought her up, they should have brought her up. I think she was with Summer Rae and Summer Rae was kind of her toady at that point. I think mm. they should have brought them up together and continued that relationship of her being a bully to Summer Rae. Um, I think that that would have really worked on the main roster. But the the thing is, the problem is, is that on NXT, I believe this happened right before she got put up to, which was like, oh, that's not like a great way to build her, was that her and Asuka had this great feud where Asuka beat her ass so thoroughly that she had amnesia for like a month. <laughs>
1: And I believe
2: it was on the heels of that storyline that they brought her to the main roster and was just like, oh, just forget all that. And it's like, no, but we can't. Because this Mm -hmm. was like also during like a pretty golden age of NXT. And then she's had some setbacks. I believe like she's had some injuries and then she's had some personal life stuff. So it's just always been like fits and starts with her. She kind of grumbled about it a little bit online. And, you know, sometimes you can't tell like what's a work and what's not a work, but you could kind of in that tweet, you could kind of feel that there was a little bit of truth in that about being like, hey, like I was really finally building something and getting some kind of momentum happening, even if it's with like the goofy belt. So to just see that literally tossed away is like, nah that got to suck for her.
1: Well, I mean, like I- everything else, when you meet that kind of diversity or, or uh, adversity, rather, it's what are you going to do next? What's no, next? when you meet diversity, right, it should be, do? what am I going to do next? When you meet diversity, <laughs> how do I protect being white?
2: <laughs> control your own narrative. <laughs>
1: yeah, you control your own narrative. That's how you do it. Now, <laughs> let, let's talk about NXT. <laughs> The Iron Survivor Challenge. This is the dumbest fucking
2: thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry. I thought the Elimination Chamber was the dumbest fucking thing I'd ever seen it when I'd seen it. And now I'm like, just do the Elimination Chamber. Because this thing is like, you get like put in like a fucking penalty box. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: wait, hold on. Let Let me explain how the whole thing works. Oh, God. Here's the explanation. It is 25 minutes long. Two wrestlers start the match, and every five minutes, a new wrestler enters until all five are in the ring. Whoever has the most falls, which can be earned by pinfall submission or disqualification, when the clock hits 25 minutes, wins. Now, a fall counts for one point, but when you lose a fall, you go into the penalty box for 90 seconds. And then you have to grab the turkey on the pole <laughs> while while you're on the scaffolding. And go into the casket, which is then set on fire and thrown into a dumpster.
0: Whoever gets the most amount of punches landed gets an extra point. And then- yeah. <laughs>
1: Why don't they just play the cones of Dunshire? Wouldn't that be easier <laughs> yeah, to exactly. understand and follow? Yes. <laughs> Can not we do that instead?
2: It very much Jeez. reminds me of that like game uh, they played on New Girl Proud American where I was like, I don't know what the rules of this are, but it seems like everyone's having a good time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's like when your friend <laughs> invites you over to play like the most convoluted board game in the world. And it's like, can't we just play the fucking one that we all know the rules do?
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, can't we just play? Sorry. I don't want to play <laughs> Settlers of Catan.
1: <laughs> no, war, now War Games is on the main roster. So you can't have that anymore. Yeah. Too bad. Uh, now you get Iron Survivor. This is, we're experimenting here. The lights are on. Let's experiment.
2: Look, I, I keep saying I want them to take risks. I keep saying I want everything in wrestling to take risks. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We won't do it again. I imagine this will be a match that we see once. And I am very interested to see... What a convoluted fucking mess it's going to be. Who is keeping track of all this? What's the ref supposed to do?
1: I can't wait until 2025 when we're covering Iron Survivor 3. Oh,
2: Jesus fucking Christ.
1: Let's briefly, before we take a break, let's talk about a WMJF will be challenging for the world championship. Mm -hmm. And Kenny and the Bucks will make their return. Yep, yep. You can't put a fart back in the butthole right uh there's porn that would disagree with you once but okay. the fart happened it's out and it and it stinks
2: <laughs> yeah i don't
1: <laughs> erase we'll your browser history immediately,
2: <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah, don't, look that up. don't look that up people uh oh Only don't worry farmers. i don't i don't yeah, look at i don't look at porn on my fucking computer are you high that's what the phone <laughs> is for it's like a little condom it protects you from viruses um <laughs> i uh I don't know. I think that it's going to rejuvenate some stuff when they come back. Because um, I do think it's been, I'm sure part of it has been because plans have had to be scrapped and they're doing things last minute because they have to cover for this thing that happened and all the suspensions. and. Mm. But it is also like, I feel like there's a little bit of waned enthusiasm from a lot of like the hardcore AEW folks. Soraya coming in did give folks a little bit of a boost and then she immediately kind of like did something the fans don't like which is fans of AEW especially like the hardcores the people who've been there from the beginning the folks that followed the, the elite all over the world in different promotions they don't like when WWE folks come in and are like I'm here to save the company or I'm here to like be better than you. Which is why I think when Punk first came in, he did that poor shit, bullshit ass, you know, I'm just so grateful to be here and I'm grateful to love wrestling again. Because even he knew that like, you can't come in and be like, I'm here to make you money. Which is why when he started being the, during the fucking scrum, I'm the thing that's making you all the money. That was when a lot of people were like, oh, ooh, we thought you were this thing and but now you're the thing that we hate and so they righted the ship with that when Britt came out and like did her thing that was like i built aew and everyone cheered and so now it's like is this gonna be like a tweener versus tweener match i don't know it's gonna be fun it's gonna be entertaining i'm excited to see it but yeah there is a little bit of like waned enthusiasm and i do think that i mean because you hear the cheers when they put on that fucking carry on my wayward son shit and like they do the the delete the elite or whatever like mm-hmm. you hear the cheers in the in the arenas and stuff so I think that that's going to really help boost the fan base and they're going to be super excited about it.
1: Well, good for them. I Everyone should be happy in this life. <laughs> if you've got any thoughts on the final few months of wrestling in 2022, you can tell us about them in our Facebook group and find us on all the socials via the links in the show notes. When we come back, it's the gold standard and WWE's unsung hero. That's up next on Tights and Fights.
2: Speaking of me again...
0: I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation. The show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek And the groins of different costumes Reviewing every episode in order So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek Industrial Complex That they can't control your mind Time's
1: Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. Now it's time to give One Corner of Wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event.
0: Let's get ready to...
1: Rock. Anal bleeding. Whoa! Whoa. Ah. Rhymes with shit. Holy shit! WWE.com. Oh, I love cake! I hate ducks. a hard fart victory. Live, Hal. What? What? Shelton Benjamin has been in WWE for more than 20 years. Jesus. He came into developmental with John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Batista, and Randy Orton. He's arguably one of the greatest athletes in WWE history. He's still finding ways to stay relevant in the company. Now, he, when he was introduced, my strongest memory of him. Um, so th- there was a tag team. In developmental, in OVW called the Haas Brothers was Charlie Haas and Russell Haas. Unfortunately and tragically, Russell Haas passed away.
0: Hmm. I didn't know that.
1: Yes. Charlie Haas and Russell Haas, both of whom were collegiate wrestlers, similar to Shelton Benjamin, similar to maybe the most famous uh, legit wrestler to main event
2: Mm
1: -hmm. in WWE, that being Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin are paired with one another, become the world's greatest tag team and are there as part of Team Angle. And the one man on the college circuit
0: that took Brock Lesnar down to the mat at will, multi-time All-American, Shelton Benjamin. It is the greatest professional honor of my career, Kurt.
1: And they were spectacular from the beginning. Sean Benjamin's like an imposing guy. Mm-hmm. He's just like a big, thick dude who can okay. move the way no big, thick dude should be able to move.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I see. This was, I think, during kind of like my like gray period where I wasn't really watching a lot of wrestling because this would have been like what probably around like twenty? No, not not
1: even twenty. Two
2: thousand two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like right when I stopped watching.
1: 2003. It was a great. They were a great tag team. Charlie Haas was great as well. Shelton Benjamin, I think, well, clearly had more success as a solo performer because mm-hmm. he is a multiple time IC champion, multiple time tag champion. Had a big match against Shawn Michaels on Raw, and mm. and he was before, well, for a time. There's always someone who is like the highlight. They, you put them in lat in group ladder matches to provide like highlight moments, Ooh. and that was what he did for Money in the Bank. He Ooh. was the one who would do like the crazy spot because he was stupid athletic.
2: Oh, so he's like the Kofi of Money in the Bank.
1: Well, he Kofi is the Shelton Benjamin of Money in the Bank now, or became well, the Shelton Benjamin of Money in the Bank. Well, because Kofi was doing it first. But I get what Daniel's saying.
2: Yeah, Kofi became I, I the Shelton Benjamin of the Royal Rumble. Correct.
0: Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. It wasn't necessarily about like we think this guy is going to win. It was like, like I want to see what this guy is going to do in the match this year to top what he did last exactly. year.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. He's going to give you the take your breath away moment. Yeah. yeah. Which is a spot in and of itself, like an important spot.
0: Yeah. That um that that in.
1: match against Shawn Michaels is
0: like I remember that finish of like Shelton coming off the ropes and going into. Sean's out of nowhere super kick that finished it was a moment that they played on Raw a lot. I feel like they like over the next decade that moment got replayed a lot.
1: Justin Benjamin, they never wake up! I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in my life. How vicious! sweet tim music benjamin committed himself he springboard off the top rope he could not stop in midair he had nowhere to go but eat the foot of sean michaels
2: and michaels has advanced
0: and it was a great moment but what was even better was that i think that shelton and sean had a rematch and then when shelton went for the springboard they Teased that he was going to fall for the same trick, but he stopped short, grabbed Sean's super kick, spun him around, and then kicked him in the face to show that he'd learned. So it was like, you know, he's, just, oh, that's he's always been a smart guy in the ring. Just not just athletically gifted, but also really good at like thinking of how to play with expectations and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's storytelling. He's a great storyteller and he has the tools. He has the tools and the aptitude to do it. So it's smarts, but also physically.
2: God, and imagine doing that with like Sean, who is also a
1: fantastic storyteller. 100%. The gold standard stuff I wasn't there as much for when he dyed his hair and had the stuff. That was that was the same time he was with his mom, right? Or the actress playing his mom. Yeah,
0: it was. Um, I think he was the gold standard on his own for a little while, but he kept losing. Right. And then they were like, it's like, my mom's coming to coming to wrestling, what? And then she just showed up and was his manager for a little while. Mama. Sheldon
2: Benjamin. I, I didn't know. I my... came all the way from Orangeburg, South Carolina. To see my baby boy get his behind kicked, I seen what was going on. Yeah, what I, was going on. I don't want to hear no excuses. Because, see, you, you're getting sorry. And you're getting sorry. soft. I'm no, perfect. you're soft! I ain't written no soft boys. Wait, yeah. okay, I need, I need way more clarification on the mom stuff.
1: Do you remember the, the It's the going to be the soup thing, right? Yeah, do you remember the Campbell's Chunky Soup with okay. Donovan McNabb and his yep, actual yep, yep. mom?
2: Yep, yep, yep. It
1: was like that, but it wasn't Shelton Benjamin's mom.
2: That's what I figured. I figured that Vince was like, oh, this commercial is really funny with a black mom. Let's get our own black mom.
1: <laughs> I think it was around the same time, too, like 2005, 2006. Yeah, because that's what Vince does. <laughs> then he comes back. He, he's he gone for a while, working elsewhere. And then he comes back as part of the Hurt business, teams up with Cedric Alexander. Ooh. They win the tag titles. Ooh. Didn't they have the tag titles? They did have the they tag did. titles. Yes. Another they tag did. title run for Oh,
2: no, I'm just like wooing because, oh, the Hurt Business, when it was good, it was the best, right? Yeah. They had all the gold for uh, yeah. a little while.
0: Um, it yeah. was the Shelton and, and Cedric with the tag titles, MVP with God the US damn. title, and Bobby Lashley won the WWE title before they broke the group up.
2: God damn, they were so white hot for like a second.
1: They were. And he was great. Like, Shelton Benjamin's one of the he, one of those guys who who's like... Um, He's like a Phil Hartman. Ooh. He's a glue guy. Yep. And I think you can look back on his career to this point and say, "Oh, it's a shame that he was not a main event guy. Mm-hmm. That he never got a run with the title. And he could have. He could have been very good with the world title. Still could be. I'm not saying it's over. I'm just analyzing what's already happened. But yeah, like, it's, I mean, he's like he's an older dude, but damn,
2: he can move not older for older for like athlete for athletes yes. not like A- athletics
1: like in terms of the wear and tear in his body he's yeah. he is not in the younger years of an athletic career but yes. he could still do it but looking at it at this point like when i think of phil hartman he was never the star of snl any year that he was on it there were always people with more notoriety than him and most of the time he was there with dana carvey who was the star of that show yeah just no question he carried that show in the late 80s into the early 90s, and it gets handed off to Mike Myers, and Phil Hartman is there for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. However, when you think back on some of the great moments in the show, he's either there supporting it, or he's there playing playing a character. Like, you remember his Frankenstein mm-hmm. laughing and then breaking through the wall. You remember him as the dad in the first Matt Foley sketch. Like. He's indelibly woven into the fabric of SNL as like one of the people who held it together and could do anything. And that's that's a Shelton Benjamin. As yeah, well. he did
2: the same thing for uh, The Simpsons. Uh mm-hmm. obviously he did fucking amazing news on news radio. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Sheldon Benjamin is like in that Dolph Ziggler territory where it's like you can heat him up anytime. Unfortunately, the thing about that is, is when you have one of those guys, it means they tend to just hang out in the middle waiting for something, waiting for them to be needed. You know, they just put them on a shelf and just have them kind of like middling until they're like needed. And so they never really get to get that like big breakthrough moment, which is like
1: a bummer. Yeah, but I don't know if I agree with you with the analogy 100%. Mm-hmm. And here's why just to, just uh, just cuz i'm i just i'm just enjoying having the conversation i'm not like you yeah, let me explain oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i think um when when dolph ziegler gets heated up it's in service of pushing dolph Ziggler as a character when mm-hmm. shelton benjamin gets heated up it's almost invariably for pushing someone else
2: oh yeah 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 oh absolutely so well, see, but so he i, I is think like, for dolph it is usually in service of pushing now. someone else and it has been for probably the last like 5 6 years
1: But he's also held world championships
2: that's true. That's true. He had a moment. He,
1: and he had his own, like, group of people that were his. Yeah, He was stable, with what, AJ yeah. and Big E. Like, yeah. he had people who were, who were backing him up. Shelton Benjamin is the backup. Mm-hmm. The person he's had backing him up is a woman playing his mom. He's, like, the worker in a group. Right. That's okay. And he may go down as one of those guys, like, why didn't he ever win a world title in WWE? Right. It's a shame that he didn't. But I don't think... That lack of a world title, I, when I compare to Phil Hartman, what I mean is like that lack of a world title run does nothing to diminish the no. career he's had
2: Mm-mm.
1: and the memorable moments that he's created. Mm-hmm. Well, we asked you in the Nation of Conversation what you think of Shelton Benjamin, and here are some of your Shelton Benjamin memories. Felt Luke on Twitter said, I missed a huge chunk of his career when I just stopped having time to watch, but I was there at the beginning and always marked out hard. Misused far too often, but Mm -hmm. always great. Quincy on Twitter said, "You're really squeezing all the juice out of that orange before it gets thrown in the trash, huh?" (laughs) (laughs)
0: Thankfully, I was able to really quickly copy and paste those things before Twitter went down again. So, (laughs) yeah,
2: disappeared.
1: (laughs) Okay, we got him. Now we're all we're all swimming with the fail whale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Quincy on Twitter said he loved a lot of Shelton's highlights and that Shelton sold me on the Stinger Splash before I ever got to watch Sting wrestle. Dragon Whip was also a great spot. And he was also a show stealer at all the Money in the Bank matches, despite not having it completely on the mic. Again, he got better at it over time. He's Mm -hmm. much better now than he ever was. But that came with repetition. Mm. If you want to share some love for Shelton Benjamin, visit us on any of our social network accounts via the links in our show notes. Are we setting up a Mastodon yet, Julian? (laughs) We probably should, didn't we? I mean... (laughs) That's <sighs> like Frenchster. I can't
2: right. fucking. I'm too
1: old to learn a new one. Just connect with me on Plaxo. When we come back, we've got three things from wrestling we want to share with you. That's up next on Tights and Fights.
0: Hi, it's Kevin from Max Fun HQ. This year for Giving Tuesday, we're inviting you to a super fun tarot event. It's got some of your favorite Max Fun hosts, and it's for a great cause joined to Mode's John Moe, Carrie Poppy of Ono, Ross & Carrie, Stuart Wellington from the Flophouse, Tom Lum from Let's Learn Everything, and Ellen Weatherford of Just the Zoo of Us. Your suggested $10 donation supports National CASA, GAL, and their work advocating for kids in foster care. That's this Giving Tuesday, November 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out MaximumFun.org events for more information and tickets to The Tarot Show with John
2: Moe.
1: Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Daniel Radford. And sitting in to give us a little extra to get us up to the right numbers is... Julian Burrell.
2: Hell yeah. Give it a little bit of the razzle-dazzle, Julian.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Put a little stank on it. Put a little stank on it. Now it's time to share the joy of wrestling with you. This is the three count. Danielle, what would you like to put over?
2: Everybody knows, because we used to have a segment about it, how fucking much I loved Lucha Underground. Loved it, loved it, loved it. (laughs) One of my favorite people on there was a wrestler. He played one of the best characters with one of the greatest uh, feuds in Lucha Underground, which was Dante Fox was the name of his character. And he went up against Killshot. It was amazing. And we loved it. So he made his AEW debut on Wednesday, teaming up with Top Flight against the Death Triangle. Now, both of those groups, Top Flight is fucking amazing. Top Flight is uh, Darius Martin and Dante Martin. Dante Martin is... This kid has nothing but upside. Every time I see him, it's been freaking amazing. He is incredibly, incredibly talented hype for the match was so good that he was offered a contract with AEW, which is exactly where he belongs and exactly where he should be. And I am incredibly excited for him. But I'm also just excited for there to be more black talent on AEW. And he is really popular. I do think that they're going to get some really good use out of him, especially now when you have like the Bucks coming back and like You can really do they're really trying to push trios, having him be with top flight against the Bucks. That is just some good old fucking PWG magic. And I'm here for it.
1: Fantastic. Before Twitter goes away. And I don't remember if any of us have put this account over before. Has anybody put over uh, wrestling uh, refs as wizards? Yes, they are. They do listen to this show, too.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I did. did. Well, I'm going to do
1: it again. Look, before Twitter goes away, enjoy some hilarious Photoshop work.
2: It's That's so it. fucking funny. It is so really amazingly funny.
1: And yeah. sometimes
2: they do it as gifts, um, <laughs> which is even better. <laughs> oh, also, I yeah. forgot to mention so Killshot uh, in Lucha Underground was Swerve Strickland. So if they can get them in a program again. <laughs>
0: their are names on that sh- Killshot.
2: <laughs> I know, it's so... It was Kilshakas. He was in the he was in the
1: military.
0: Ricochet also sounds like a, a, a lucha underground name, but it was his name that he used everywhere. <laughs> name but name there, that.
2: actually,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julian, what are you going to put over?
0: Uh, I, following up on a recommendation, I'm going to put over wrestling Twitter in general. Look, I don't know if Twitter is going to sunset uh, very soon. But you know what, I, I just like, I, I would miss not a lot of things from there, but wrestling Twitter is going to be one of the things that I will miss a lot. Met a lot of really cool people on there. I love talking to other people as we were all watching pay-per-views and other TV shows together. And it was just like, a, honestly, like a lot of the times it was just a really, just a good hang at its best. It always felt like this, this fun way to like talk with people that were into the same thing and liked the same thing that we did in the same way that we did. And mm. I'm, uh, I don't know, it feels like a lot of imperfect ways to get that back if if Twitter is going to go away soon. It was a good time while it was there in any case. So thank you, Wrestling Twitter. I'm sad Michael Cole probably will not be able to tell us what's trending worldwide anymore. But it was <sighs> fun while
2: it lasted. Oh, uh, speaking of, there was a really funny thread last night by at Global force gold all one word that says that like say goodbye the good the best and the worst of wrestling twitter and just made like a thread of some of like the best of wrestling twitter mm-hmm. uh so go check it out it's a very long thread like any time disaster
0: nice. happened oh my goodness did we run to that site when cm like <sighs> with the pipe would mm-hmm. the gripe bomb have been as had been as fun without the memes that we got from twitter i don't think so i don't think I so no.
1: and just just when we started getting that modern warfare 2 meme going
2: i know <sighs> Oh, I'm going to miss his little scully face.
1: <laughs> oh, well. Oh,
2: wow.
1: That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights and maybe Twitter. This week, your hosts were Danielle Radford along with me, Hal Lublin. Make sure to, to purchase and play High on Life when it comes out December 13th. I'm in there. That's yeah. all I'm allowed to say about it. And also, the Thrilling Adventure Hour is back for two shows in one night on Saturday, December 17th. Uh, follow Thrilling Adventure Hour. You, you can look it up. You can get the info all over. It's on my. It's on my Twitter. Hell yeah! That's the only place you'll find it for me if oh. it's still there. About <laughs> how loved one everywhere that they're social, Danielle.
2: Dude, they actually. I actually had to like put something on my fucking TikTok this week because I, I was saw. like, Ugh. I commented. Oh, I I haven't checked it because I just I usually... commented
1: that it was a deep fake. Oh,
2: because <laughs> <laughs> like I uh, uh, well for, for there's like a couple of like impersonator accounts which is like who am I no one follows me what are you doing but then it was also like I guess as should get this started before everything Collapses. So yeah, I'm on TikTok. Go follow me there where I will continue to probably not do anything. Yeah, just keep watching them good old honest trailers um, because I'm on them. I've got some stuff cooking. Can't talk about it yet. But it's more of the kind of thing where if you like seeing me play games,
1: you'll probably get to do that soon. So yeah. Our producer is the one pun man, Julian Mm. Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music. So we're putting him over for that. Thank you to all the Max Fun members that keep this show going. Your membership means the world to us. It does. Keep up with us all week long in all of our social media channels. Those are in the show notes. That's where you can also find the official Tights and Fights t-shirt. That's right. We're on a shirt, and that shirt should be on you. We'll be back next week for more, you guessed it, wrestling.
2: Put me on your body. Tights and Fights
0: podcast. Tights and Bites.